Hey there, Pastor Allen here. Thank you so much for checking out this message from Praise Assembly. Our prayer is that it is meaningful, purposeful, and that the Holy Spirit speaks to you personally through it. If you find it helpful, would you consider supporting Praise Assembly? Just go out to our website at praise.church and hit the Give Now button in order to support this and other resources we are making available. This message is a part of a series called Idols, Honoring the Giver to Better Enjoy the Gifts, in which we are discussing what it looks like to make sure that God is first in our hearts. May the Holy Spirit use this in your life. Man, it's, uh, it's the Sunday that's as far as way as possible from the beginning of the new year, with it being the first Sunday of the year. Um, this is a fantastic time uh, to just start the year off with worship, right? Yes, yes, yes. Amen. All right, I'm going to need to ask everybody who's got their arms crossed right now <laughs> to uncross those arms. Just do it. Everybody, come on. I'm, I can see you, okay? Like... <laughs> All right, uncross them. Now just put those hands up in the air. Okay? God, whatever you've got for us in 2024. We want it. Most of all, we want you. So have your way in us in 2024. It's going to be a good year. I'm so thankful for you. Thankful for this opportunity to talk about what God might have for us uh, right here at the beginning of this year. 2024 is going to be a good year. As I reflect on some of the things that we have scheduled for or looking forward to this year, um, we are going to have the grand opening of the park. Um, that will be happening in, in just at the beginning of the fall of this year. That's going to be awesome. Um, we are going to be installing some new uh, courts out there, including sand volleyball, basketball, uh, a pickleball. Liz bought for me for Christmas pickleball paddles by faith, by faith, because we are going to start um, a couple's pickleball tournaments here at Praise, and it's going to get rowdy, okay? Um, so, <laughs> uh, but it's, it's going to be a good year as we serve the community. And it's going to be a good year. We're going to be talking about new ministries in 2024 and things that are going to be happening uh, here in the weeks to come uh, in a couple of Tuesdays. Let me actually look at my calendar real quick. In a couple of Tuesdays, uh, we have our annual vision meeting. That is the fourth Tuesday of January. So that'll be the 23rd, January 23rd, 6.30 p.m., where we're going to be talking about a lot of those things. It's a great time to feel out what's going to be happening. This is also going to be a challenging year. This year is going to be an election year. And some of you are like, yeah, let's go. And some of you are like, oh, let's not go. Because you, you, some of us are like on board, ready to move forward. And some of us are just like, you know how much this stuff is going to be in your face for the next year. And so there's going to be challenges in 2024. I have no doubt about it. But I also am just thoroughly convinced that God is going to move in 2024. He is going to do some very cool things in your life in 2024. He's going to do some cool things here at Praise Assembly. He's going to do some cool things in this community in 2024. And I'm open and I'm ready and I'm embracing and I just believe he's going to do it. And I trust that he's going to do it. And I think there's no better way to start the year than to worship him for it. 
knowing what he has done in the past and then looking forward to what he's going to do in 2024. I, I always, as I reflect, it's been 24 years now since I accepted Christ. And it's easy for me to figure out how long it's been because I accepted Christ in 2000. So all I have to do is take the year, and that's how long I've been serving uh, uh, Jesus Christ as, since I accepted him. So I accepted him in 2000, so it's been 24 years. It's harder to remember anniversary because that's 2005. So it's, it, you have to subtract tw- the year minus five years. If you ask me how old I am, I will have to sit there for a moment and count back because that was the last century And so I just have to figure it out. And then after I think about it for a little while, then typically I'll be able to piece it together and figure out how old I am. But but accepting Christ, man, that is something that is easy to remember. 24 years ago, I accepted Christ as a result of somebody in this church sharing their faith with me. We had been friends for a long time. And then she said, you know what, Alan, you need to know that Jesus Christ is the only way to the Father. And so she shared that with me, and she led me to the Lord, and I prayed right with her, accepting Christ as my Savior. That's why it's so important that every single one of us is reaching our circle, because you can make a a change of destiny for somebody. Eternal destiny can change as a result of your influence in their lives. That's why your circle is so important. But I was reflecting back this week to the very first time 24 years ago after I accepted Christ that I heard the audible, maybe not audible, I shouldn't say audible, when I heard God, when I, when I heard him actually talking to me. And I, I, at the time I was at the University of Wisconsin La Crosse, I was a biomedicine major. And so I thought my life was going to look like going into medicine. And so I was looking that direction, moving that direction, and I accepted Christ, and it just seemed like there was something not quite right about that. It didn't feel right. And so I was just spending time in prayer asking God, God, what do you really have for me? What does, what does my future need to look like? What do you want? How does this need to look? And so I was, one day, I was up early in the morning just praying and walking. And so I went out of Wisconsin, the, the campus, and I was I was walking around the neighborhood, and I was coming back up towards the front of the campus, and I can remember it and picture it still to this day. There were trees on either side of the road, and I remember the trees were blowing in the wind. It was early in the morning, and I was just praying, God, God, is this, is this the direction I need to continue to go? And I remember him very clearly speaking to me and saying, I've got something else for you. Are you ready to totally turn directions? And I went for it. And my life has never been the same ever since. I don't know if you've had moments like that, that you can remember where you were or how, what that looked like. When, when, or even if you've got like a place that's like a holy place for you, this is the place where every time you go there or, or it seems like when you spend time together with the Lord there, that it's, it, it ends up being like the meeting place for you and God. Do you have anything like that? No? Okay, cool. Um, for some people, it's out in the woods when they go hunting. When it's quiet and there's nobody else around. When it's before, before anybody else is up and, and, the, and the sun is or the, it's just beginning to get light. And you can hear nature all around you. That moment for them is holy. It is a place where they meet with God. Some people, it's when they're out fishing. It's out on the boat. In the, in the, I'm not telling you to go fishing on Sundays. I've heard people say that. Don't do it. But 
there's something about that for some people. And, and it just seems like every time they do it, there's just like this interaction with God, a recognition of his goodness and faithfulness in creation. For me, there's a new one that's kind of growing. It's a, it's a place where this last fall I had to, as part of my school, I had to take a spiritual retreat. Now, I'd never taken a spiritual retreat before. I had no idea what a spiritual retreat is supposed to look like, but I, I was told I had to do one. And so I grumpily went along with the spiritual retreat idea. So we, I rented a, a cabin uh, out in the woods. It's right next to a pond, and if you walk just a little bit of the ways, it would um, end up at a lake. And so it was this little cabin. And I actually took pictures so I could share it with you. I, I'll show the pictures here. You can see the little cabin. It's just a tiny little cabin, one-room cabin. The decor is not my decor, okay? So this is this is not how my office at home is decorated, but just very simple. One room had a little kitchen on it, had a little bed, and that was it. And that was, that was for several days just a space, and I would go out next to the pond, or I would go next, walking next to the lake, and I would just spend time talking with the Lord. And I, 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 that was in October of last year, and as part of that, there were some very clear things that I heard the Lord say to me. One of those things, I heard him say, and then I ignored. I didn't entirely ignore it. I kind of played at it a little bit. I pretended like I was doing what he was saying or told me to do for a little while. But in reality, I didn't do it. And I mentioned a couple of months ago that this had happened and that the Holy Spirit had called me out by saying, Alan, you are being disobedient. I told you to do something and you are not doing it. Anybody remember that? Yeah, some of you like already started transferring membership as soon as that happened. Like the pastors, disobediently. So, 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 your cell phone into your bedroom anymore. And that is such a dumb, small thing. Are you kidding me? So I didn't. I moved my charger out into the kitchen, put it next to my kids' chargers because we don't let the kids take their cell phones into their bedrooms for other reasons, really. I mean, we don't want them to have like any, any, any uh, uh, time alone just with their cell phones because we know the tremendous danger that comes along with it. For me, having my cell phone in my bedroom, though, was really about early, first thing in the morning, what I would do. I would grab my phone, and I'd start scrolling on it. And then the last thing before I went to bed at night is I would grab my phone and I would start scrolling on it. And I found that through that, what was happening was time that used to be set aside first thing in the morning for my time alone with the Lord had gotten absorbed by just inconsequential, unimportant things. But it was for me, I needed to know what could have happened between the time I went to bed and the time I woke up. I just need to know it all. I want to have all of that information stored away in my brain, I guess. And so I would just scroll late at night, and I would scroll first thing in the morning. And what was happening was that as a result, I was just not spending the time alone with the Lord in the morning like I was. And the Holy Spirit, what he specifically said to me is, you have unplugged from Jesus Christ and have plugged into the world. Whew. And that hurt because I know what John 15 says about that. And so I, I just repented again when he told me that I was being disobedient. And I stopped bringing my cell phone into my bedroom. To the point where 
Now I will not even bring it over the threshold of my bedroom. It stays in the kitchen. And a couple of times I've made mistakes where it's been in my pocket. And then I would just walk into my bedroom and then I would realize, oh, I got my phone in my bedroom. And I would bring it out and put it on the counter real quick. And what ended up happening is I started leaving my phone on the desk in the kitchen because then I didn't have to worry about it. Like I didn't have to think about it every time I went into my bedroom. And so as a result then, I was spending less time connected to my phone when I was at home with my family. And this has changed things for me. And it got me thinking, what do you think people in the Bible would think about us with this phone that we have just attached to our hands? What do you think they would think of us as we're walking down the street and we're having it right in front of our face? What do you, what do you think Moses would say? If he looked at us, if he had a vision into praise assembly and the people we are and the ways that we're on our phone when we're in our car even or walking or at work or at church or, or at home when we're sitting on the couch with our family, like what would Joshua say? What would Paul say? What would Peter say about us? What, what would they think about this little device that we have in our hands that we have access to all the information in the world? What would be their thoughts on all of that? Because that kind of brought me to this point of asking a question. This series began with that, and then it began to expand as the Holy Spirit just kind of worked on me and started speaking to me about where we ought to begin the year in 2024 at Praise. So if you would, grab your Bibles or grab your phones and open up to Praise.FYI, the message notes. Um, Grab your Bible, your physical Bible. If you've got one, you can open it up to the book of Joshua book of Joshua is the sixth book in the Bible. Grab that, open it up, and we're going to be right in the last chapter of Joshua. Joshua chapter 24. Joshua 24. Joshua 24 happens when the people of Israel are at an important inflection point for them. So Joshua's at the end of his life. Uh, he, the people are, are settled in the land. They have conquered most of the what they're going to conquer. There's still some left to do, but in general, there's been, they've been able to move into the land and really take it. And so now they have to live in it, right? But as he's at the end of his life, it seems like a good time for him to call everybody together before he dies and speak one final thing over them. He did it. Moses did it before him. And so it's kind of a thing. So he's just kind of following in that, but he calls them together to a place called Shechem. Shechem. Here's a picture of Shechem. I mean, it's really not a picture of Shechem. This is a picture of where Shechem is today. And the place is actually called Nablus today. But this is an important place. This is when they were getting ready to go into the promised land. This is where Moses told them to go ahead of time to stop there before they do anything else. So they do. They come into the promised land, they fight some initial battles, and then in Joshua chapter 8, they show up at Shechem here, right like Moses told them to do, and they do exactly what Moses told them to do. So that would have been, if Joshua 24 to Joshua 8 would have been about 25 years. So for me, as I remember this occasion where I met with God 24 years ago, it would have been similar 
When they go back, what would be the same? What would be different? All of that is happening, okay? So, so they go to this place right at Shechem, and Joshua begins to talk to them. He starts by reminding them all of that God had done for them, just like we sang this morning, all that God had done. So, so he tells them all that, although it's really God speaking, because it's all in the first person from God's perspective. So prophesying, it seems Joshua's prophesying, saying, here's what I did for you. Here's what I did for you. Here's what I did for you. And then Joshua transitions, and he stops talking from God's perspective, and he starts talking from his own. And that's where we're going to pick up today. Verse 14, Joshua chapter 24, verse 14. This has a verse in it that is probably one of the most well-known verses in the Bible. And so as a result, a lot of time we miss the other things that are talked about there. 24 verse 14, we're going to read a good chunk of it. So here's what it says. So fear the Lord and serve him wholeheartedly. Put away forever the idols your ancestors worshipped when they lived beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt. Serve the Lord alone. Worship God alone, wholeheartedly, not partially. Put away forever the idols of your ancestors. Idolatry seems like such an antiquated problem. Like even as you're looking at the Ten Commandments and you're thinking about which of these did I mess up on this last week, and you could probably go down and say, well, maybe I hated a little bit, or I lusted a little bit, or maybe I coveted a little bit. Not, not many of us will stop and say, man, I accidentally fashioned an idol. And then I bowed down and worshipped it, right? Like, so, so it's not one of those things that we think this is a big one that we deal with, right? Like, it's not the top of the, the, the list that you think, here's something that I struggle with on a regular basis is, is idolatry. Like, you don't accidentally do this. This isn't something that accidentally happens on Tuesday or Wednesday. And yet, at the same time, Paul says in Colossians, actually in Colossians, if you jump over to Colossians chapter 3, verse 5, he says, so put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of this world. So he says, you know that sin that you're dealing with, that greed that you just keep fighting against? Just so you know, that's not just a sin that is actually idolatry. So he takes a sin that you and I would deal with here in the New Testament, and he actually equates it with idolatry. It is idolatry to be greedy. And this isn't the only place he does that. He does it also in Philippians chapter 3, verse 19. He talks about some people and says, for some people, their God is their stomach. Their God is their appetites. Their God is their desires. Their God is pleasure. Idolatry is not just an old issue. It is the main issue. Martin Luther actually said it this way. It is the sin from which all other sin comes. Which I think there's some real truth to that very thing. It is the first two of the Ten Commandments, right? He's, he says, essentially, don't worship any other gods before me. Do not fashion any sort of idols. Don't make something that you're going to end up worshiping. And here he tells them, Joshua tells them, put away forever the, the idols that you worshipped beyond the Euphrates River and the ones you worshipped in Egypt. I'm going to go back to that. Read that verse again because it's so good. Verse 14. So fear the Lord and serve him wholeheartedly. Put away forever 
the idols your ancestors worshipped when they lived beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt. Serve the Lord alone. Do you think they still had idols from Egypt? Because they came out of Egypt. They spent 40 years in the wilderness for various reasons. Then they come into the promised land. And all along the way, there were very serious ramifications for disobedience to God, right? Like there were occasions where a family would be stoned to death, the entire family, because of disobedience. Like for me, if I'm watching that, if I had an idol, I would go and hide it in somebody else's house. Like I would just make sure that it wasn't like I would be done at that point, right? Like, if there's that type of a risk associated with it, you'd think that they would get rid of them. But at least here, Joshua says, hey, man, put those idols away once and for all. So he could just be saying this kind of figuratively, or he could be saying it for some people who brought an idol along with them the entire time. Or maybe some found an idol somewhere along the line when they were conquering a city. Or maybe somebody had an idol and they came, it showed up. Or maybe all along they were hiding it in a closet. And whenever Joshua would show up, they would just put it away, right? Like, but then when Joshua would leave, they would put it up back on the mantle again. Who knows? But Joshua very seriously says, put away idols once and for all. Put them away from now and even moving forward. I think there are some times where there are things that maybe we've played at putting them away. Maybe we had them one time, and maybe we don't even think about them regularly. They just kind of stay in the closet under a bunch of stuff. And then every now and then when we're really stressed or when things are really hard, we kind of return to that same thing. Sometimes we don't even know that there's something in our life that is an idol. There's a guy, um, his name is Idleman. He was a pastor, Kyle Idleman, um, wrote a book about this, actually, early 2000s, called Gods at War. Very good book. In fact, heavily influenced me. I, I highly recommend this book. So he set up a diagnosis, a way to diagnose if there might be idols in your heart, things that are taking the place of God in your own heart. Here's the way he diagnosed it. I'm just going to give them to you. Feel free to write them down because these are good. I, I think he hit the nail right on the head. So first he says, what disappoints you? What disappoints you? Erwin Lutzer actually said that maybe the major disappointments in your life are actually have been God's way of showing that maybe you have idols in that area. I think that's very true. What is it that you regularly are disappointed by? Are you disappointed by your career? Are you disappointed by your children? Are you disappointed with your family? Because maybe there is something that is inordinate, that is not in the right place in your heart in that area. What disappoints you? Here's another one. What do you complain about? What do you complain about all the time? Do you complain about your finances regularly? Maybe there's an issue there. There's an area of your life in your finances that is not in the right place. In many ways, whining is the opposite of worship. 
And so if you are whining and whining and whining about the same thing over and over and over again, maybe that is a problem because you have stopped worshiped him, stopped worshiping him, and you have started whining about something else. It's just another form of worship. It's just worshiping something else. These are possibilities. I'm just saying. And you can figure out what this looks like for you, but I, would, I, I have had time where I've taken these diagnoses and I've gone through them and it has helped me. Three, where do you make financial sacrifices? Where do you make financial sacrifices? Where the money goes shows what's going on in the heart. So when you spend money on something, that's probably as a result of something that's going on in here. So if you look at your bank accounts or you look at your credit card statement, it will tell a whole lot about what do you truly value in your heart. So what are you willing to make financial sacrifices Four, what worries you? What worries you? Are you worried about being alone? Are you worried about the finances? What is it you think about before you go to bed that you are worried about? Or what is the first thing you worry about when you wake up in the morning? What worries you is an indication of what has first place in your heart. Here's a big one. I think this one's fantastic. Do you have a fake Christmas tree? That's idolatry. (laughs) If the Holy Spirit speaks that to you. So uh, a couple days ago, Liz showed me from Asher's projects from last semester, one of the things the teacher made them do was choose between a fake Christmas tree and a real Christmas tree. And they had to say the reasons why and make this little project out of it. And so Asher's got sent home. Here's what was sent that Asher had put together. He chose four reasons for buying fake Christmas trees. And the reasons are you can get a variety of sizes and styles. Doesn't make a mess of branches or leaves. You can keep a fake tree for about seven years. And they're easy to store and assemble. Now, wait, 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 wait. You guys, come on. No shame these days. No shame. I think next year we should make Asher fluff the Christmas tree, and we'll see what he likes better. That is betrayal by my son, my one and only son, my beloved. Now I know how Darth Vader feels. Okay, so that's not a real one, not the fake Christmas tree. Where is your sanctuary? What do you run to when the day is hard and you had a lot of hard stuff going on? Is the first place you go to food? That's what I do. When it's hard, like, I, I, there's, there's all different kinds, by the way. Like, there's, there's, there's those who do shopping therapy, But food therapy is a real thing. And very clearly in Scripture, we have been told that he and he alone is our shelter. He is the one that we're supposed to run to. And too often, I think we run to other things to be our sanctuary. And that indicates 
an inordinate place in our lives for something. What is your sanctuary? What infuriates you? Is it being embarrassed? Is it traffic? Somebody cuts you off? Something simple like that? What infuriates you? Brings you to the point of rage? Typically, that will indicate that there is some sort of an idol in your life. Where are your dreams? What do you daydream about? What do you fantasize about? What do you think about when nobody else is watching? Like, what is it that you bring back to your mind over and over and over again? These are great questions to really just assess where, where is the place in my heart of all of these different things? I know this isn't, even as I was thinking, like, how do you begin the new year? This wasn't where I thought this year was going to go, but this thing shifted over time as I was just really praying and seeking. And I believe right at the beginning of 2024 is the perfect time to have a moment like this where we ask the question, is God first in my heart? Is he first? And, and what if the diagnosis is that there is something wrong? Wouldn't you want to know that as soon as possible? Like, wouldn't you want to take a moment and assess and say, oh God, something is not in the right place for me. Verse 15, he continues on, and this is that verse that you probably know at least a part of it by heart. He says, but if you refuse to serve the Lord, then choose today whom you will serve. Would you prefer the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates? Or will it be the gods of the Amorites in whose land you now live? As for me, but as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. As for me and my house, as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. How many times have you read that? How many times have you read that on the wall of somebody's house, right? This is a fantastic kind of moment for Joshua when he's about to die. (laughs) But he says it, and he challenges them with it. And we focus on that because it's so good that did you pay attention or miss the fact that he actually gives them a multiple choice? I don't do that. (laughs) Like when I give an altar call, I don't go, okay, now we've got four options here, A, B, C, and D. But that's exactly what Joshua does. He gives them a multiple choice. He gives them three other options here in this passage, really. He says, you can either worship the gods of your ancestors, those beyond the Euphrates, You can worship the gods of your past, those in Egypt, or you can worship the gods of this moment, the land you now live in, right? He gives them three options there, or you can serve God. And I think that says it all, especially the gods of this moment. Because some people would say, well, you know, there isn't really, really gods of this moment today. Like uh, the gods of, of this moment where we are right now are super subtle, Like, they don't call themselves gods. They don't call themselves idols. But it's all still worship. We all worship something. Peter Kreeft, who's a a philosopher, actually said it like this. He said, the opposite of theism is not atheism. It is idolatry. The opposite of theism is not atheism. It's idolatry. Joshua gives them a multiple choice. But did you notice that in that multiple choice... There was no option for none of the above. There's no, hey, I opt out of this one. 
We all worship something, whether we want to or not. And the person who first said that or really made that the statement that people make was not a believer. He was saying that, and other people have picked up on it. We are all worshiping something. If you were to say this today, though, be like Joshua, you would 100% get somebody who would raise their hands and say, you know what, that's great, Joshua, but man, I'm just not into the religion thing, right? Like, I'm I'm not really a worshiper. Like, that's not a thing I want to do. It's not a thing that works for me. And other people would join in, too. They'd be like, yeah, we're... We're whole, good for you. You do that. Me and me, me and mine, we're not really into that. But that's not the way this works. There's no choice of whether or not. The question is what? So let me give you some of the gods of this moment that are being worshipped all around us right now. Self. Sex. Pride. Ego. Materialism. And so very much more. These are the sorts of idols and the gods that are worshipped in the land and in the culture that we live in. And sometimes it's obvious and sometimes it's not. And so sometimes what happens is, and you can normally tell where there's a big idol in, in the culture you live in, is if you won't bow before it if they throw you into a furnace. I mean, that is idolatry. So if you step back and you look, where are those areas in our culture where if you do not bow before this thing that you are thrown into the furnace, you know this is a massive idol. This is a God who has raised up in this culture. And you know that that's the case if you see it. But often what we'll do, if we're not careful, is we will push back against the gods of this age, the idolatry of this age, and we'll embrace the idolatry of previous ages. Right? Like we can say, oh, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to push away from that. But then we just go back to the gods of Egypt. Or even further back, we go back to the gods on the other side of the Euphrates. And that's not the options here. The option that Joshua throws out in front of them is he's saying, either worship the Lord and worship him and him alone, or worship any of these other gods. Right? He continues on. They say to him, or they respond to him. The people replied, we would never abandon the Lord and serve other gods. For the Lord our God is the one who rescued us and our ancestors from slavery in the land of Egypt. He performed mighty miracles before our very eyes as we traveled through the wilderness among our enemies. He preserved us. It was the Lord who drove out the Amorites and the other nations living here in the land. So we too, we also will serve the Lord for he alone is our God. So they make this commitment. They say, we would never do that. Come on, that's not going to happen. There's no way we would ever serve any other gods. But here's the thing about idols. They are relentless. They are relentless. And you can burn them all one day. And the next day, they are back. Tim Keller says that the, that the human heart is an idol factory. Ooh. The human heart is an idol factory. We are always going to have to fight this battle. And Joshua calls them out for it. He even says, Joshua warned the people, you are not able to serve the Lord, for he is holy. He is a holy and jealous God He will not forgive your rebellion and your sins. If you abandon the Lord and serve other gods, he will turn against you and destroy you, even though he has been so good to you. But the people answered Joshua, no, 
we will serve the Lord. You are a witness to your own decision, Joshua said. You have chosen to serve the Lord. Yes, they replied, we are witnesses to what we have said. Something that's so interesting is Romans chapter 1. It actually says there, talking about idolatry, that the idolatry was really the beginning of a whole downward cycle of sin. At some point, if you want to read it, if you want to get a feel of what does the world look like today, read Romans 1. Okay, but it begins with, at the heart of it is idolatry. But then it talks about God's judgment on the idolatry. And this is so interesting to me. Because what it says in Romans chapter 1, God's judgment on those who practiced idolatry, it says, he gave them over to their desires. Which at first seems like a reward. You want it? Here you go. Right? Like that's what it sounds like. It sounds like they get what they're wanting. And in some ways they did. But it doesn't say he gave them their desires. It says he gave them to their desires. Right? So the thing that they wanted, they didn't get. It got them. They didn't own it. It owned them and it consumed them. And don't you see that in our world? In a world that is obsessed with money, you find tremendous economic problems, right? We are obsessed with food, and you find all sorts of food problems in our world, the junk food and nutritional issues. We are obsessed with sex. Do you see any sexual dysfunction in our culture? We are obsessed with entertainment. Is there ever been a time in this world when we have been so saturated with entertainment and yet the greatest complaint is, I am bored? Everybody's bored in spite of the fact that there is entertainment everywhere. That's what idolatry does. It consumes us. We do not consume it. It flips around and consumes us. Okay, so all the way back to my phone, because this is where this began. It began with my phone, and it's just a phone, right? But I want to be so very careful that this phone does not consume me. I want to make sure that all of the things that I am consuming do not flip around and consume me. I want to make sure that the place in my heart is right for all of these things so that it doesn't flip around and take me apart. And I believe this is the perfect time for this. I think it's an important decision. I think it's a, an important moment to stop and really assess where am I. For every single one of us, what are we going to worship in 2024? What are you going to worship in 2024? What is going to take the first place in your heart in 2024? These last, like, weeks, month has been, like, just really difficult in our schools. If you've not been paying attention, even going back to December, there was multiple deaths in our schools around us. And I hope you are praying over our schools. You need to be. I am praying for our schools. I reached out to Dr. Kroll just uh, over at Hillcrest just, just yesterday and let him know, man, I am, 
I am praying for you. And he was so thankful for that because if, if you haven't been following, last month there was a student who died in a car wreck uh, in Willard. Then there was a New Covenant Academy this last week. There was a student who passed away there at Glendale High School. About a week ago, there was a student who passed away there. On Friday night, there was a teacher who was deeply loved at Hillcrest High School who was killed in that car wreck just like a couple blocks from here on I-44, right at 44 in Glenstone when a truck came across the road and killed her. I, I guess what I'm saying is this, like, it's a serious moment for us to step back and ask the question, what do I want 2024 to look like in my life? What place do I want to have God have? And what place is he in right now? Because it just drove home to me over this last month, man, life is short and we are not guaranteed a thing. And so at every moment that we have a moment where we can just ask, God, where is everything in my life? Is it right where it's supposed to be? And I think this is the perfect place for it, right as we're beginning 2024, to remake that decision. As for me and my family, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord to make that commitment once again. And there are some things that are under control and there are some things that aren't like for some of us, when we say that statement, as for me and my family, we know that there's a family member who is not serving the Lord. And so it's harder for us to say it. But maybe this year, right now, you need to say it by faith. God, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. As for my family, we will serve the Lord. And by faith, say it again and again and again. And pray it over them and recommit to praying it over them for 2024. It might be hard for you to be able to say it, but say it anyways. Say it by faith if it needs to be by faith, but say it and commit to it and re-examine it and repent for those things that are out of alignment. This is the perfect time for this very thing. I want to go back to that picture of Shechem. I think this picture is so perfect because it shows what they would have seen. City wouldn't have been as modern, of course, and would have been much smaller. Shechem means shoulder. It is on the shoulder between two mountains, Mount Gerizim and, give me a second, Mount Ebal, of course. And the reason why Moses had them go here as they were coming into the promised land was because he wanted to remind them of when things are right, when things are in alignment, there is blessing. And when they aren't, the result is curse. And so he has them stand before these two mountains. They look like hills to me. I mean, big hills, but they're their mountains. We'll call them mountains. But it's between these two mountains, and he, and he splits the people up, or he tells Joshua to split the people up. This is what happens in Joshua 8. And he has half of them pronounce blessings, and half of them pronounce curses. And you can just see all of the people as they are looking at these two mountains. You can see the clear picture that Joshua gives multiple choices. But in reality, there are not four choices. In reality, there are two. 
Will you serve the Lord or will you serve someone else? Will you worship the Lord or will you worship something else? As part of this series, I am going to challenge us. And I'll tell you right now, on January 21st, I'm going to give a challenge for a month about our cell phones. I just want you to be aware. (laughs) Know it's coming in advance. But I'm going to challenge us with our finances. I'm going to challenge us about sex. I'm going to challenge us about entertainment consumption. And the reason why is because every single one of these things can very easily get out of alignment in our hearts. And the thing that God may have even given us as a good gift, I'm not going to get rid of my cell phone. It's not about destroying my cell phone. It's about making sure my cell phone is not destroying me. Right? I'm not going to give up sex. But I... But we have got to make sure that sex does not destroy us. Because it's a good gift, and these are all good gifts. But any one of them, if they get out of alignment, can tear us down and tear us apart. And so all we're asking, or all I'm asking through this, is that as we approach these things, right at the beginning, I'm not a New Year's resolution guy. I'm not like, hey, this year, it's a new year, new me, or, you know. But I do think that there are key moments, like that's what this is for Joshua. Do you think somebody, like as Joshua brings them back in Joshua 24, to the same place they were 25 years before in Joshua 8, when they're pronouncing blessings and curses, do you think somebody in back yelled to Joshua, Joshua, we already did this. Read Joshua 8, man. Here they are again, asking the same question again. Are things in the right place? And so it's good to come back again and again and again. I don't know what's ahead in 2024, but I know who I want to be my head. And so it's about making sure that as we approach, whatever we approach in 2024, that there is an opportunity for me to make sure my heart has him in first place. And if not, or if something has slipped, and by the way, just so you know, through this whole series, like all week long, I've just been repenting and repenting and repenting because it happens regularly that things just slightly realign inside of our hearts. So like this is not, every single one of us needs to step back and ask the question, is it all in the right place? And most of us, if not all of us, have at least one thing that is usurping his place in our hearts. And so there ought to be repentance when we come to this and say, God, I messed up. God, this isn't right where it's supposed to be. And we bring it back again and again and again. More and more, we like to think that things are all gray area. But sometimes it's not. Sometimes the choice is binary. It is black and it is white. Is God in first place Or isn't he? Is there something that you find yourself spending too much time with because you want to be connected to the world 
because you want to be connected constantly, because you want to be in the know, because you don't want to miss anything. And so a fear of missing out causes you to grasp and really just unplug from Christ and plug into your phone. That's what I'm asking. And I know this is right off the bat, man. This is a serious and very real kind of assessment. But I think to be able to make the type of statement that Joshua made, it always must be preceded with a real and honest and difficult and quiet and and focused assessment before the Lord. God, where am I really? And is there anything that is out of alignment in my heart? Sometimes it's just black and white. And all of the multiple choice really is, will you worship God or will you worship something else? And one of those comes with blessings and one of those comes with curses, just at a very basic level. Does he take first place? And if not, what is seeking to usurp him and how do we get that back in the right place?